Good evening. I hope your week has been successful, productive, uh, and positive, pleasant. This week's Sedra is Parshas Vayetze, and the Pasuk opens Vayetze Yaakov Mebir Shava Vayelech Chorona. Rashi asks and says, why does it not say he went out? Just say Vayelech Chorona. He wants to tell us that he was going to Choron. So why not just Vayelech Chorona? So we... We know Rashi adds the words panahada, pana, the ziva, that when a tzaddik leaves a place, there's an effect. There is a, a emptiness. There's a void because of his not being there. And the Mephorshim Taka asked that why over here? Does it say that statement? Because it should have said it by Avram and by Yitzchak. They went out of cities. So if a tzaddik leaving a city makes an impression, why wait for Yaakov? Say it by Avram, say it by Yitzchak. But the, the answer that the Mephorshim say is that Avram Avinu was busy with people all day. And Yitzchak also took over with a large group, the Medr says, of the people that Avram Avinu conditioned. So if we would have said that there is that type of indelible deficiency that is produced by the tzaddik leaving, you wouldn't feel it so much by Avram because you would understand that if he was dealing with a thousand people and he suddenly left, so of course there was going to be the effect. But the real Chiddush and what the Torah wants to share with us, that Yaakov Avinu wasn't involved in the community. It says, V'yakov Yoshev, V'yakov Ishtam Yoshev Oholim. He was busy learning all day. So by Avram Avinu, it wouldn't have been such a surprise for us to tell us that there's a, an effect on a community when the tzaddik leaves. But you would have thought by Yaakov, it wouldn't have any effect. He was sitting inside his room anyway all day and night and learning. So if he'd left, you think the community would notice the difference? So that's why Rashi over here by Yaakov says, because when tzaddikim are in a city, a community, a village, a town, and they're not outside, but there is a ripple effect in the town of their Kedusha. So it has a, like the Gemara says, that one of the Amaroyim, that there was a, a house where there was a shed, a demon, and they couldn't get rid of it. 
So I, I think it was Rav Chizda when he came to the town, they made up, when Rava came to the town, that no one should invite him to stay by them. So he'd have to stay in that public place where the demon was, and they knew that he would destroy the demon. And that's exactly what happened. That he went there, and he confronted the demon, and he destroyed but the Gemara ends up not so happy because it says that the person who did this ended up dying because he shouldn't have used a tzaddik to make sure. There was another similar event that it was about to collapse, but they knew if he went in, so the person, one of the other Amorim, invited them to walk into that building where they knew it was going to collapse, but if he's there, it won't happen. So they were using him as a certain... The point that I want to bring out is that the effect of tzaddikim is unbelievable, magnificent, that a person could be, and that's why the Pasuk says, Elef Lamata, that there were a thousand for in the Parsha Matos when there was Nakama, the revenge for, Mid, for Midian because of what they did by the story of Pinchas. So it says that every single shave it sent to that war 1,000. Elef Lamate. But there's another translation that even if a little boy becomes a Rebbe, becomes a Rebbe, a little boy. But if Elif, a thousand come, Lamata even to a stick, Amata is a stick, it gets the Kedushan, the Siata Dishmaya. So that little boy, if there's a thousand Chasidim coming to him for brachas and for help and to listen to his Chodesh benching and all of that, Elif, Lamata even to just a stick, the stick will have influence and will have a confluence of Ruach HaKodesh together with Siata Dishmaya and be able to give and elevate and uplift Klal Yisrael. So when a tzaddik, even Nister, leaves a town, there's trouble. There's a, a missing factor in it when he leaves. And that's why it was said by Yaakov Avinu. Now, we know that at the very beginning of the Sedra, it says when Yaakov went out, and it says, Yaakov he left Beersheba, and he came, he went to Choron. And then he had Kfitzah and he ended up on Har Habayis. And he, he fell asleep. All the stones wanted to be under his head, so they gathered into one large stone because without unity, you can have the most holy high dreams, but it cannot enter into the realm of reality for you unless there's unity. When there's machloikis, it can't be. That's why it says that all the stones had to join into one. Because if it's not one, not unity, then there's a problem for Claudius. So, 
But the point that I want to bring out to you that it says that Yaakov dreamt and he saw a sulam, a ladder, and it was standing on the ground, Vehine Vayachalom, Vehine Sulam Mutsav Artsa. Mutsav Artsa. Vihine Malache Elokim Olim Vyordimbo that Virosha Magia Shamaima, the Pasik says that it was standing on the ground, but the top of the letter ladder he saw went into Shamayim. So the Medrash says on that that Hera that Akadish who showed him Koirach. And he showed him at the same time Moshe Rabbeinu. Korach was at the bottom of the ladder, and Moshe Rabbeinu was at the top of the ladder. The word sulam, many bring, I think the Balaturim brings it, is begematria mamon, money. Sulam with a vav. Samach vav is 66. Plus Lamed is ninety-six. Plus forty is a hundred and thirty-six. And Mamon is Bigamatri a hundred and thirty-six. So <coughs> the Meforshe ha Medrash say what was the message that was being given to to Yaakov Avinu, when he saw Moshe Rabbeinu, when he saw Koira. So we know that money is a commodity that can have an un- a diametrically opposed effectiveness. You can take fire, money, and you can give it to someone, it's like fire. It consumes him. He can't handle it. He becomes haughty. He becomes independent. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't, he's got all the money. That's his claim to fame. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble person, as the Pusik says. Yet when he chipped out the luchos, the Pasuk says, Psalucha, and the Medrash says, that Godesh says, as you're chipping out the sapphire, it was a sapphire worth probably a trillion dollars because it was gigantic and it was heavy and it was one piece. So let's say it was a trillion dollars, but as he chipped out the letters, there were pieces falling. So those that Psalucha, Hashem said, you keep it. And he became fabulously wealthy because of those chips of sapphire. But, Vahish Moshe Anav Ma'od, he remained an unbelievable, simple human being. It did not go to his head. He was not, you find, a person was never asked any advice by anybody. He suddenly got, the, he inherited a hundred million dollars. They're lined up for his, what happened His. <laughs> His brain power suddenly was enhanced. I mean, what happened? But this, the power, 
but Moshe Rabbeinu personally was not affected by it. Korach, on the other hand, and that's why he was Verosha Magia Shemaima, and that's where Yaakov Avinu dreamt and saw Moshe Rabbeinu as the latter went into heaven. But Korach, and the Gemara says he was one of the richest people ever to live in past tense and in future that ever will have been on the earth. And that was the ladder on the earth. And it brought him to a level of haughtiness that he thought he could challenge. It cost him his life. But what brought him to be so silly was the money. So we have to learn from it that, you know, everyone says, oh, don't worry, if I had the money, everything would be, I'd be as humble, as nice, and I, everyone says that. But we all know people who became fabulously wealthy, and they didn't remain so simple and so humble. It's a big Nisoyan, it's a much bigger Nisoyan than being poverty-stricken. And Sadiqim said that, it's not my own word. Because you, it, it inhibits your ability to be expansive. That means if somebody wakes up in the morning and he has a hundred and seventy-two dollar <laughs> gas bill, he's he's a whole day worried. He's are they going to turn off his gas? He doesn't have the money, but he won't come to haughtiness. That means he can't think expansively because he's so pressured. It's moichen this. But when a person has all the money, then already he becomes expansive, but he has to be able to rein in his treatment of people and be cautious how you're treating people and how you're dealing with people because that expansiveness can go crazy and go out of order. Now, we find that Yaakov Avinu, he went, he went to Lavan, the brother of his mother Rivka, to find the Shidduch, to move on in life. But when he left his father's house, he went first to Shem Ve'ever, to Yeshiva. And he learned there for 14 years. And that's why the Pasuk says, when he got to Harabais, he slept there. But he didn't sleep the 14 years when he was by Shem Ve'ever means he was learning day and night. And it, so the Mephoshim are curious. He was learning the whole time in his father's house. So why, when he left his father's house, did he have to go to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'eber? It wasn't like he was not learning and he was doing whatever he was doing. So now he's leaving and he's moving on in life. He's going to go to sit down and he's going to learn seriously and fervently, and every day, every night. But he learned by his father, 
So if he learned by his father, why did he have to go now to another yeshiva, Shem Ve'ever? So the Mephorshim say, because when he learned it was Torah from a perspective of Yaakov, Yaakov with Yitzchak, and that was pure, and it was, un, it was undiluted, and it was not compromised. But he was coming now to a lovin, the, the used car salesman, with all the deceit and with all the trickery. And he didn't learn Torah in that atmosphere by his father. Now, Shem was the son of Noyach, and he lived through the marble. He saw a whole world disappear. And he saw the immorality. He saw the stealing. He saw what was going on. So he became, a, he was a tzaddik. And he learned Torah also. But it was Torah in the middle of the turmoil. It was a different type of Torah. It was Torah. But it was with the trimmings of a different world. Then Yaakov learned by Yitzchak. That wasn't the atmosphere of, of Yaakov's learning. It was pure. But shame achieved and was with being in the midst of the sea of immorality and everything. And then Aver later continued the yeshiva and he lived through the Dora Flaga that they wanted to fight with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It got so mighty and they were developing buildings. They were building great structures and everything else. And they thought it came to a point that they were so productive and original, they can take on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Aver's Yeshiva was in the midst of the communism, the fascism, the socialism, all of the isms, not the problem so much the immorality or all the of shame's generation, but his generation was tested and and tripped badly. So when Yaakov Avinu went for 14 years to that yeshiva, he got the perspective of everything of shame in learning Torah, and he got the perspective of Aver, and now he was able to come to the house of Lovan. Because Lovan changed their understanding. What It says in the Pasuk, Aseris Moedim, says the Rashi, says the Medrash, Aseris Moedim, ten times. It wasn't ten times. It was ten times ten. It was a hundred times. He promised him, and the next day was something else, and the next day it's a, a third thing. This went on and on and on. But he was prepared because he learned the Torah of innocence by Yitzchak, but then he learned the Torah of people around who lived through the Mabel and lived through the Dora Flaga and had a, he had acquired a sensitivity and the art of being able to deal with the cheaters and the 
the loved ones of the world, he was able to guide. That's why, even after learning his whole life, Torah by Yitzchak, he went to the yeshiva to learn more by Shem and Eva, to acquire this new dimension of pure Torah with the trimmings of some of the things on the side. So, as he's traveling to get to Lavan, he sees that there is a Be'er Basada, there is a well, and in the well, um, and today if you go to Kharan, you go into Turkey, to that city, the mayor has a tour to show you that well where the big stone was on top of the well and that Yaakov Avinu came and pushed it off and that he met Rachel over there. They claim that this is it. You see Yisro's house. You see a lot of history right over there. And it says that when he got to the well, there was a group of royim, of shepherds, and they were able to give to drink their cattle from that well. But they always, at the end, they pushed back the stone, and for some reason they couldn't get the stone off the opening, the mouth of the well. And here comes Yaakov, and he sees all the shepherds over there, and then they get up and they go to push the rock off of the thing. And Yaakov steps forward and he gives it a push and it goes right off. And he says to them, because when he got there, they were all sitting under a tree. And it was the middle of the day. And he said to them, Hain od hayom godl, that it's still the middle of the day. And the Medrash says he told them. Come on, guys, you're being paid for your work for the day. What are you sitting at the middle of the day? It's not the end of the day you finished your work. So what are you sitting around? Now imagine if you went out and you came to a construction site and you saw 20 workers sitting and drinking Coca-Cola and drinking. And you walked over to them and you said, uh, fellas, you're being paid by this company to work. What are you sitting around? It's the middle of the afternoon. He wouldn't receive the most courteous reaction from these men. Who are you? What, you're paying us? Are you the... The, the manager of this construction site? What are you telling us about whether we're working or we're not working? What kind of business is that? And there wouldn't be such a warm welcome or response. But interestingly, Mepharshim say that the first word of the Pasuk is the key because he came to them and he looked at them and he says, Achai, me'ayin atem, my dear brethren, from where are you? That means you can embark on the most difficult mission, worthy mission, you want, to, but it has in its mission, 
you're starting off with a criticism. In other words, he was asking them, why are you sitting around? Now, a normal reaction would have been, mind your own business. But they didn't answer that. Why? Because he opened up, Achai, my dear brethren. And when we speak to someone with kindness, with sensitivity, with love, we are able to rise above the mundane and take at face value, you're criticizing us, it connects the people because of the love factor. And many things can be achieved by how you speak to people. Many times in school, if a parent asks me, you know, the child's this or that, this is what I told them. That even if you see the word, you're very upset. Convey love, and then you're already breaking the ice. And likely, if the love is strong enough and sincere enough, you'll be able to get to the child. And have the child acquiesce, have the child do what you want or understand what you want. But when we speak sharply or strongly, we're already starting a defensive mechanism to go off, not to do what you want and not to respond what you want. And that's why Yaakov Avinu had such success in unlocking their minds to how they normally humanly would have reacted. Now, you know, in this Sedra, all the Shivteka except for Binyamin are born. And every Shevet, every male, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, they all were born with a twin, a girl, who became their wife, because it was before Matan Torah. Binyamin was born with two twins. And Dina was also born, not a boy, but a girl. I mean, she was born a boy, the Kabbalah Sorum say, and... Leah davened because she made a cheshbon that at that point when Dina was born, she already had six, six boys. And the two maidservants, Bilhah and Zilpah, each had two. And then Rachel was the only one left. And Leah said, if I give birth to a boy, that's seven. It's only supposed to be 12 boys. So the maidservants are going to have more boys than Rachel? Rachel should at least have the two. So she davened that the boy that was in her womb became a girl and it became Dina. So, there were a total of 26 children. The 12 boys, Dina is 13, and each was born with the thing. 
and Binyamin with two girls. So it's a total of 26 children that, she, that they had. And it's all in our Parsha that this happened. So when Leah knew that there'd be 12 and there were four wives, she thought that everyone was going to end up with three boys. But when she gave birth to Yehuda, Yehuda, to Yehuda, please, till Yehuda realized that there was freezer, that there was an extra one given to her. And that's why Yehuda called thanks, and uh, the Gemara even says that no one ever expressed, Hapam oides Hashem, I'm going to thank HaKadosh Baruch The Gemara says she was the first one to thank HaKadosh Baruch and the Mephoshim all jump on the Chazal, because what? Noach, when he got off the table, he built him his back to say thanks. So Leah was not the first. But Leah, there were many who thanked Hashem. But no one had ever thanked for the extra. In other words, she thanked the fact that she had a son. But the fact it was a fourth, it was an extra. She got an extra one, not just three, but a fourth. Now it was time to give that extra thanks to HaKadosh Baruch and that's what the Mephoshim say it means when she was the, when it says the, she was the first one to offer thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But it says Vata'amod Miledes that when she, after she gave birth to Yehuda, it says she stopped giving birth. There was a pause. And at that point, Rachel came to Avram and said, you know, take, take Bila, my maidservant, and maybe you'll have a child with her, and I will build from that child from me. Now the fact is that even if Billah gave birth, which she did, but we can't say it was from Rachel because she didn't give birth to the child. But we see a very interesting yesod over here. And that's what Rachel was really saying. That True, I won't be the physical mother of the child, but in, in bringing up the child, that's a second thing. There's giving birth to the child, and then there's bringing up the child, bathing the child, feeding the child, clothing the child, doing everything that a mother does for a child. And that's what she meant when she says Ibane, that she will build from there. And we asked, she didn't give birth though, but the answer is, 
that you don't have to give birth to be able to have the nachas and the schos of bringing into the world a wholesome individual who can be productive and because of your teaching and your fine-tuning the child and his attitudes and his edelkeit and everything he's doing, that you can be equal. She brought the child into the world and you produce the product that's going to benefit the world. Now we find by David Amelech when he came back from war, it says that he danced in front of the Aram. And all of the Amos of all of his maidservants were out. And Michal Bashol, his wife, said to him, what are you doing? You're the king. The king in front of maidservants dances, even though he was dancing in front of the ark. So he answered and said, because the word for maidservants is amosav. He answered and said the same letters, but they are emos. They are mothers. Because these maidservants are not just busy, as Michal said, the medrashash said, they're busy diapering, they're busy with with children. These are women who are shaping and molding the attitudes of these children. They're feeding the children. They're keeping them alive. They're keeping them clean. They're keeping them part of society. They're part of Klal Yisrael. And that's why it says that Michal, who put down and called these women maidservants in a derogatory way, never had children ad Mosa until the day of her death. And the Tanakh, the Pasuk says, she didn't give birth till the day of her death, till she was nifter. But on the day of her death, she gave birth. But she never was zoichet to bring up the child. The child lived, but was never able to diaper and to feed and to, because she put down these women who were doing that. That's what Chazal say about Michal Bashol, who was a tremendous sadekis. But she misspoke. And we have to learn that we have to refine our speech in a moment of anger or people use slang or dirty words to bring out. The the, uh, Rizal says that if somebody uses dirty language, you should know that there is two bris and there's the bris hamor, that means our actual bris, and there is the bris haloshan. So if somebody is menabal and uses bad language, which means he defies his bris, it's a simon he's tome with the bris haloshan, and vice versa. That if you hear him using his mouth for bad language, then it's a simon that he is not a kadosh, but he is a tome. And his private actions that he thinks nobody sees and no one else, it has an effect, terrible effect, on his neshama. So he says, so we have to be careful how we express ourselves because it comes back to haunt us. 
And in the good, when we are positive, we are inclusive, we are loving, we're sensitive, we can, the sky is the limit. We can have tremendous influence on the other person as we deal with them. Now, Now, at the end of the Sedra, we find that Yaakov Avinu worked 20 years. That means he worked seven years, he got Leah, he thought it was Rachel, but he woke up in the morning and he sees it's Leah, it's not Rachel. So Lovin said to him, work for me another seven years and I'll give you Rachel now. So he ended up, after the Sheva Brachas of Leah, seven days later, he married Rachel. Before he worked the extra seven years. He married Rachel, and then he worked the seven years. And then he stayed on another six years by love. And so he was there a total of 20 years. Now, at night it was freezing and he was outside loyal to make sure that none of his cattle would be devoured by a wolf or by a wild animal. He was a loyal worker and worked very hard to maintain the trust and the promise that he made to work and to be a loyal worker. But suddenly he had, after 20 years, a dream from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, go back home. Lovin is not treating you anymore like he did. Then it was an act, but at least he was treating you nicer. Enough. Go back home. Shuv el Eretz Moladetecha. Go back. So the Pasik says, and the Shalah HaKadosh says this vart that when he woke up in the morning, he went to Rachel and Leah, and he told them what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, and he spends around eight or ten sukkim. You know I worked so loyally for your father, and look how he dealt with me, and he tricked me a hundred times on our understanding, and everything. He goes into the whole thing. Now, if you or I had a dream, and we knew it wasn't a full dream, but it was Mamish HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking to us, um, and we knew it for a fact, not like the way people fool themselves, oh, I think the dream was telling me this, I think it meant that, that. When they become a Kadosh or a Tzadik Gomer, then they can say what their dreams meant. Otherwise, as the Gomorrah says, 99% of them are Shtusim and they don't really have any bearing. But if, let's say, we knew we had a dream in HaKadosh Baruch who came to us, would we get up and run and shout, Hashem came to me at night and told me to go back Pack the car, pack the wagons, or whatever. we're going. But he didn't do that. 
he went over to Rachel and Leah, and he told them, Hashem said to me, and then he goes to justify, and you know why he's leaving, you know how your father treated me, eat psukim. Why? Hashem told him, do you need more than that? Says the Shalom HaKadosh, from this we learned that even if HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself comes to you, you have to treat the people you are with as proper, courteous human beings. Not to get up and say, quick, take yourself up. I'm not asking you, Hashem told me. But to go over to them like their opinion means something and ask sincerely and properly and deal with the human, even when you know you have to do something and you know that this is the right thing to do. But we can't forget that we are living in a world with people who have feelings and have a heart and their day is made or broken how you speak to them. You, you say something insulting, their day is out the window. They're, they're dejected, they're, they're depressed, they're crying, whatever you did to them. You say a good morning, you have the ability today to carry the day and make the difference for hundreds who you're going to see. You put the person on a pedestal because truly every person does have that ability to rise above and beyond and take everyone with them. And sometimes it's only a good morning with a true smile. And that's what the Shalom Kodr says that Yaakov Avinu did with his wives. Of course he had to go, Hashem told him to go, but he handled it in a way that they felt that they were in on the decision that they were also somebody to be considered and not just be directed and told what they could or should do. I hope that it seeps into my mind and to all of your minds as you go through the week in your businesses, in your classrooms, in your homes with your children, that this vart of how to handle even when a goddess Baruch comes to you, how a child has to make a bracha, we don't bark at them if they were starting to eat it and, and, and they forgot to make the bracha. We have to do it in a way that they're going to want and love to make the bracha themselves. Have a wonderful week.